0: Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abram believed the Lord and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. Faith is one of those words we use a lot, but I think for many of us, it's something we really struggle to wrap our heads around completely. And as I've kind of really thought about this week, this idea of faith, I kept coming back to Abraham. Abraham is like the pioneer of this thing that we call faith. People used to refer to God as the God of Abraham, right? They would distinguish what God they were talking about by saying, you know, the God that Abraham follows, the God that Abraham puts his faith in. Abraham was a pioneer of our faith. And I'd really love to just dive into that today if we can. Now don't worry, next week, we're gonna get back to our ID series. Pastor Andy will be back with us and we'll finish out the next two weeks of that. But as we take a break from that, first of all, my name is Matt. I'm one of the pastors here and uh, I'm really excited to dive into this today and just kind of share my heart and what I feel like God has shown me this week as I've really been working my way through Abraham's life and his faith and what that looks like for us. And as I look at his journey and I look at his faith, I find that it starts right there. It starts in that promise that God gives to Abraham before he changes his name, right? He he gives him this promise that he would that he would have as many descendants as there is stars in the sky. And I don't know if you guys know this or not, but that's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot of descendants. Like they sent out the Voyager how many years ago, just trying to see if they could find the end of it. They haven't found that yet. It's a lot especially for a guy who's already well along in age. Is that a good way to say that? Uh, he, he, was an older, he was an older gentleman. Uh, he had not had any children yet. And he and his wife were trying and still weren't having kids. And then God comes along and says, hey, just so you know, you're going to have a lot of descendants, more than the stars in the sky. And here's the thing that we, we find out about Abraham's faith. It had a starting point. It started somewhere. Abraham had a new faith. right, in other words, it had a beginning. It didn't just like, it wasn't just part of who he was the the moment he was born. It wasn't something that God gave to him. There was a moment when Abraham began his faith. We read it in verse six, it says, and Abram believed the Lord, he believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. It started, I believe, in that moment when he decided to believe in what God had said. Right. God made that promise to him. And in that moment, even though it seemed crazy, it seemed like that's not going to happen. It's a long shot. Abraham, he chose to believe. And for us, that's our story, our starting point as well. It's that moment when we decide, I believe, right? I believe that Jesus is who he says he is. I believe that. That's our starting point. And there's no expectation that you then know all the next steps after that. It's just, will you start here with me? Right? I remember I made that decision as a seven-year-old little boy. Believe me, I didn't suddenly have all the answers. I didn't suddenly have everything figured out. I'll be honest with you. I still barely have anything figured out and know barely anything. But I do know that I'm still following Jesus because I have faith in who he is. It's a journey. It's not a big one-time aha moment. It's a journey. And as we'll find as we read through Abraham's life, uh, he, didn't, he didn't figure it all out either. He made some mistakes, but he also discovers that it's a process. I would be as bold to say it's really, it's a relationship, yes. right? It's a relationship. And so he had that new faith, that kind of like baby infant faith, right? Like just mush, wobbling around in your hands, can't do anything on your own faith, right? And then we see it kind of develops to Abraham has a growing faith, right? Kind of that toddler faith, if you will, the I'm going to touch the stove and see what happens kind of faith, right? And man, with growth, there's growing pains, right? In a marriage, right? Growing pains, they can involve like, you know, a toilet seat, toilet paper, pretty much anything, toiletry involved, right? (laughs) You guys are like, preach, right? It's things like, it's like learning to wait, right? Like for her to do her hair, for her to do her makeup or for him to do his hair, I got it. Yeah, we take time to, but let's be honest. Right? It's learning to wait though, right? Like on, you know, hey, which shoes should I wear with this outfit? And then they don't choose the shoes that you so chose in the first place. And then they change the outfit like three times, right? It's learning to wait. And here's the deal, Abraham, he, he didn't realize he was gonna have to wait so long for this promise to be fulfilled. He thought promise, okay, where's, where's the answer now? It involved waiting. Abraham wasn't ready for that. And so Abraham, like so many of us, he does something that we all do. Instead of waiting on God to make a way, he tries his own way, right? And I'm gonna condense this story as much as I can. But at the time, Abram, his name has not been changed yet. And his wife, Sarai, whose name has not been changed yet. They're married. They've been trying to have kids. God comes along and says, hey, I'm gonna make you the father of many nations. You you know, you're gonna have more descendants than the stars in the sky, right? He's got this promise, but then he also has the reality that he's living in. And so Sarai, she comes to Abram and just says, all right, I know this is, this is weird, it's what it is, but God made us this promise and it doesn't seem to be happening here. So why don't you go with my servant, Hagar, and you guys go be together and y'all have a kid. I know it sounds crazy, but just do that. And then through that, maybe God can keep his promise. And then Abram in all his wisdom, Please note that that is sarcasm, if you don't understand sarcasm. The next verse I'm about to read is not wisdom, okay? Genesis 16, verse four. So Abram had sexual relations with Hagar and she became pregnant. But when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to treat her mistress, Sarai, with contempt. And here's the deal, when God makes that promise to you, just like he did with Abram, he's not looking for you to figure it out. He's not looking for you to figure out the way to make it Happen. He's looking for you to be faithful to the path that he's placed in front of you. That's what he's looking for from us. But for Abram and Sarah, it didn't seem like God was working on it. It didn't seem like this promise was moving forward at all. It didn't seem like it was lining up for them to have kids. And it didn't look like God would be able to keep his promise. This seemed like this is too big for God. And so they had the brilliant idea. I know we'll do this and we'll help. God, keep his promise, right? Okay. <laughs> Great idea, right? And I know we laugh like that, that's kind of funny, but let's be honest, we do that every day. Yep. We do that in our own lives. We do exactly the same thing. We try so hard sometimes to just make things happen, right? To make them happen in our time, on our timeline, inside our plans and, and, and the things that we can see. And we forget that it wasn't our plan. It was his plan. We believe God's got a plan. Like I, I could probably say, who believes God's got a plan for you? Who believes God's got a purpose for you? Right? That's the majority of the hands went up. Some of the hands were just like it's too early, I don't want to do that. Others are trying to figure it out. I get it. But most of us we go, I believe he's got a plan. But then we fail to live like we believe he's got a plan. And I believe that's where Abraham is at right now. I had I had the opportunity this past weekend to spend some time with our students. They went on the fall retreat. And so we just spent a couple of days together and really got to talk about the life of David and the roller coaster ride that that thing is. And just like we talked a lot about what it looks like to be faithful right now. Like faithful with where you're at right now and not get so focused on like what's down the road and what you think God is calling you to and all the big dreams and all the hopes. Don't get so focused on all those things that you forget to be faithful right here, right now because the reality is God's working on you right now so that he can prepare you and make you ready for what's ahead really so that he can make you ready for what's ahead. Just, just one more step ahead. But we get so focused on down the road that we forget God's called us to right here. And I believe the way Jesus would say it, and he kind of did say it is as you're faithful with little, he'll move you towards much. And so Abraham, he he tries his own way. And because of that, he he did have a son with Hagar named Ishmael. And very long story short, through that family and through that family tree, through Ishmael, we continue to see what we're seeing right now in Israel. All because Abraham couldn't wait. Because he he thought, hey, I have an idea. I have, maybe this is a better idea than what God has said to me. So I'm going to try this. And this is not at all to make light of anything happening right now. So please hear my heart. But next time you're in that moment in your life and you feel like I'm gonna try this way instead, when you know this is what I've been called to do right here in this moment, but I'm gonna try maybe skip a few steps or whatever the thing is and and jump ahead. Just know that it's not all about you. The things that he's called you to most likely are not really about you at all. They're about him. They're about the lives that you're gonna impact. And I think our tendency is to, to think the decisions that we make are all about who we are. And I, I get to do what I wanna do, right? And you do, that's the freedom that he's given us, that free will. It's a gift and a curse all at the same time. It's like, oh, just make me do what I'm supposed to. Yeah. Your decisions don't just affect you. And I know like we tell our kids that, like this isn't just about you, but we don't really live it out when it comes to our faith and our life and our journeys. And I'm sure you've, you've probably seen the illustration of like, if you drop like a pebble in a body of water, right? They'll have that initial impact and then there's this ripple effect, right? And see for Abraham, what he did is he just picked up a rock and, and chunked it out there hoping, right? That the ripple effect would have the impact that God wanted it to have. But God was like, no, I, I had a timing for when I was gonna drop that rock and the impact was gonna make the waves that I wanted them to make. But now you've made your own waves that are conflict with the ones that he's making. God's called you to be faithful right where you're at and to follow the course that he has for you. And I promise you, as he works in you, it's making an impact so far outside of who you are. And so the reality is Abraham made a huge mistake. He made a huge mistake. But here's the thing with God. God had made a promise to Abraham he had no intention of breaking it. And and I know that for some of us, we find ourselves, maybe not in the giant mistake that Abraham found himself in, where he is now affected generation after generation after generation after, I can't say all the generations, but a lot of generations, as many as the stars. But maybe you have been stuck in a mistake. Maybe you feel like right now you're stuck in that mistake and broken and feel like, There's no way to get up from this and still serve God and still be faithful to God because I've messed it up. And to you, this is the only way I know to say it. It was just, you're wrong. Your God is not somewhere down there waiting for you to achieve something to get to him. He's with you in the brokenness, waiting for you to get back up and be faithful right now where you're at. And the promises and the plans that he has for you are still intact. He wants to work in you. He wants to move in you just like he does with Abraham. And so God comes to, at the time, 99 year old, Abram, that's right, 99 years old. And he changes his name to Abraham, which I believe is just, it's, it's, a, it's a reminder. It's a reminder of, to him of this is the promise I had for you because Abraham, it means father of multitudes or, or father of nations. And, when, and, and then God gives Abraham a little bit more clarity on his promise. He's like, apparently that, that wasn't enough for you. So I'm gonna give you just a little bit more, right? Now he doesn't give him the whole picture because let's be honest, if we got the whole picture of what God was trying to do, we'd go, okay, I'm out. <laughs> That's not gonna work, right? So God just, he gives him just a little bit more clarity in Genesis 17, verse 15. Then God said to Abraham, regarding Sarai, your wife, her name will no longer be Sarai. From now on, her name will be Sarah. And I will bless her and give you a son from her. Yes, I will bless her richly and she will become the mother of many nations. Kings of nations will be among her descendants. Then Abraham bowed down to the ground, but he laughed to himself in disbelief. How could I become the father at the age of 100? And how can Sarah have a baby when she is 90 years old? So Abraham said to God, I have an idea. Just hear me out. I know I know you've got a plan, but here's, here's an idea. Just let's see, right? So Abraham said to God, may Ishmael live under your special blessing. And then it's like in that moment, Abraham had said, God, will you tell me like I'm three years old? And then verse 19, God just says, listen, this is, this is what I'm saying. But God replied, no, Sarah, your wife, will give birth to a son for you. You will name him Isaac, and I will confirm my covenant with him and his descendants as an everlasting covenant. Like whoosh, 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 this is what I'm saying, you got it? Like that's, <laughs> that's what's happened in this moment. If you don't get this, maybe we're, maybe I picked the wrong guy, right? Now we know that God did not pick the wrong guy, but it's like black and white, this is what I'm saying. And Abraham in all of this, right? First, he, he tries his own way. That obviously did not work and it is still not working, right? But then in the middle of God speaking to him, he bows down and he laughs. In that moment, he doubts that the God of everything that is speaking to him can do what he says he's going to do. You're telling me you're going to take a hundred-year-old dude and a nine-year-old lady and we're going to have a kid. That's crazy enough. And then that kid, you're going to confirm all this through. He doubted. He just completely flat-out doubts that God can do this. And he laughs. And he tries to hide his face, but it's like, it's God. Like, you're not hiding anything. Like, he, he heard you laugh. He doubted. He just flat out doubts. And the longer, the longer I follow Jesus, the more I realize, for some reason, he, he uses situations and circumstances that are really easy to doubt, right? He tends to use broken people or broken situations and say, yeah, I'm gonna use that and that's how I'm gonna fulfill my plan and my purpose in the world and through you. And you go, why? Why don't you just use the easy path? And the more I think about it, the more I land on, I think the reason he uses those doubtful opportunities is so that when it comes to fruition, there would be no doubt at who laid the plans in the first place. When you look at the situation, you go, that had to be God. That had to be my faithful God who I've put my trust in. And so if I could kind of wrap up into one kind of phrase, what I'm trying to communicate today, it would just simply be this. When God makes a promise, he also makes a way. When God makes a promise, he also makes a way. And he's not looking for you to figure out the way. He's not even looking for you to understand the way. (laughs) He's just looking for you to have faith, to be faithful where he's called you. And when we have that faith, it leads us towards another word that we really do not like, obedience, obedience. We see that Abraham, he had that new faith, that infant faith, and then he had that growing faith. And we'll find that he continues to have that growing faith. And he touches the stove a couple times and he does other dumb things throughout the course of his life and his journey, but through it, he grows and he develops. And in this moment, we find that he has developed an obedient faith. Abraham had an obedient faith and throughout his life and throughout his faith, God asked him all these crazy things and asked him to do these things. And in a lot of those moments, not all of them, but in a lot of those moments, he was faithful. He was obedient. One of those huge moments for Abraham was when God asked him to leave his country, to just go, time to move, right? Genesis 12, verse one, we read about it. The Lord said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, your family, your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed, right, obedience, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left. Good job. A little bit more clarity in Hebrews 11, the author writes this in verse eight. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. What? (laughs) Like, not only does God call him to leave his home of 75 years, everything that he knew, just let's leave that and head on out, pack up everything and let's go. But he doesn't tell him exactly where he's going. Like that would be like if you came home tomorrow, you gather your family around and you say, hey, we're supposed to move. So I need you to pack up your things, we're gonna be moving. First off, they're gonna go, what's that now? Right, what are you talking about? And you're gonna explain, God's told us we're supposed to move, we need to pack up and we're gonna move. We'll skip past all the conversations you're probably going to have to have, right? Let's just say you get to the point where your family goes, okay, I got it. God has called us to move. We're moving. Just one last question. Where are we headed? And, And you have to go, I don't know. Didn't get that part yet. Right? Like that's crazy. That's a crazy plan. And that's crazy faith, but it's obedient. It's obedient faith. It's a huge step, even though it makes no sense, Abraham, he says, I'm in, I'm in. Because remember, God has a way bigger plan for Abraham's life, and this moment is just a moment of faithfulness that's part of the journey. This is a chance for him to be faithful with what God has placed in front of him. Because the reality is for Abraham, there's way harder stuff coming, and God is preparing him now. And so he eventually gets to this land that God had promised him. But little caveat, it actually wasn't his land yet. He was going to have to wait again. He had to live there by faith. And so he goes and he lives in a foreign land by faith. Hebrews 11, again, gives us a little insight into that. Verse 9, and even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith. For he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. And I think for us, a lot of times, we fail to do what Abraham does in these verses, right? We, we often look toward what we can accomplish, what we can make happen now. What can I make possible right now? We fix, we fix our eyes on the temporary satisfactions in life, right? Like maybe my house or a car or a better interest rate or what are we gonna eat for lunch today, which probably will take you longer to decide on than the other things, right? We fixate on all of these temporary things instead of looking towards the eternal. See, Abraham, he had fixated on the eternal foundation of this city that God was building, And I believe that when we have that eternal perspective, instead of a temporary one, it changes the way that we respond to everything. It changes the way that we see everything, right? The things that bother us are, are no longer like that, you know, the horrible service you got at a restaurant and then they still brought you bad food that was cold and needed salt, right? Like, okay, just eat it, you'll be all right, right? The things that bother us won't be the guy that cut you off on the way to church today, right? Or when the, you know, like the interstate is a parking lot. That, which is, that bothers me, but it's still temporary. It's a temporary thing. When we fixate our eyes on the temporary, we, we got caught up in those temporary moments, but when we fix our eyes on the eternal, the things that bother us are the things that are gonna affect our eternal futures. The things that are gonna affect my kids' eternal futures. The things that are gonna affect your eternal futures and strangers' eternal futures. And it's gonna change the way that I respond in every situation. And my hope for me, my hope for us as a church is that we would have a faith that is obedient to who he's called us to be in those moments. I think we have to fix our eyes on Jesus and his lasting plan instead of our temporary one. And then comes one of the hardest moments of Abraham's life. Probably still one of the greatest tests of anybody's faith ever. When God asks Abraham to offer his son Isaac as a sacrifice. And I know that that just sounds sounds really crazy. Like if you just read this part of scripture, you would go, what kind of God is this, right? Like if you just take this with no context and you just go, he asked him to do what? But here's the deal. Something I think that's important to note is during this time in his culture, in the land of Canaan, The Canaanites lived in the land that was promised to him and he was surrounded by that culture. That's what he was living in the middle of. And as horrible as it is to say, in that time, in that culture, in that place with these Canaanites, it was actually pretty normal for them to make these child sacrifices and not to spoil the end of the story But I think by the time we get to the end of the story, you'll really, you'll probably see that what God is saying here is I would never accept such a sacrifice. If anything, once you get to the end of the story, you see what God is really saying is Abraham, when this land is your land, that's not how we're doing things. That's not how we worship. That's not the kind of God that I am. But I also believe God used the culture that surrounded Abraham at that time to put his faith to the test. And so somehow, Abraham is obedient. And as we read Abraham's story, we see in this moment again, he follows through. And in his obedience, we discover really another level, another level to his faith. Yes, he had the new faith. Yes, he still has that growing faith, right? We're going to find that that he continues to, to make mistakes and fall and grow and learn. And God continues to use him. And then he has this obedient faith. But in the middle of this obedience, there's something new that develops in him. Abraham, he develops this confident faith. He developed a confident faith. And his confidence, it wasn't in himself. It wasn't even in what God was asking him to do, right? His confidence was in the promise of God because he remembered Genesis 17. Well, it wasn't Genesis 17 then. He remembered that black and white moment where God came to him and said, no, Sarah, your wife will give birth to a son for you. You will name him Isaac. Check, that stuff has happened, but the next part hasn't happened yet, God. And I will confirm my covenant with him and his descendants as an everlasting covenant. See, Abraham's faith was saying, God's not a liar. He's saying, "I, I believe my God's not a liar and that he keeps his promises. He believed that Isaac would fulfill all those things that God had said and the nations of the world would be blessed through him. And so even though Abraham, he he doesn't understand God's plan, he remembers the lesson that he learned earlier in his journey. When God makes a promise, he also makes a way. And so somehow he packs up what they need for this journey. And he and Isaac and a couple servants take off to make a sacrifice to God we read it in Genesis 22, verse four. On the third day of their journey, just side note, that's a long journey, like, but notice that it's three days. Abraham looked up, right? He looked up to this hill, this mountain in front of him, and he saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there, and then we will come right back. Now, I just want to pause there for a moment. And I may be way off on this, but I, I have to wonder as I read that, if Abraham didn't know something's up like this, this is a test of some sort. Because he says to the servants, we will come right back. And when you look at what God's asked him to do, you go, why would you say we will come right back? Right, because it doesn't look like Isaac's supposed to come back, Abraham. Abraham. Right? But he says, we will be right back. And this is what I believe. I think he's saying, we will come right back. I don't know how. right? I, I don't know what's getting ready to happen, but I do know that my God made me a promise and he always keeps his promises. So Isaac and I will be right back. And then we keep reading in verse six. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them walked on together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. We have the fire and the wood, the boy said, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? And I have to picture Abraham fighting back tears. God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son. And they both walked on together. And again, Abraham knows that God has asked. But in this moment, like this is, This is the test, this is the hard part. This is the, your son doesn't even know what's going on. What are we doing, dad? And in this moment, I believe Abraham is clinging. There's a difference between believing a promise and just clinging as hard as you can to a promise of God. And in this moment, I believe he was clinging to that promise and he was remembering when God makes a promise, he always makes a way and he's gonna provide a way out of this. In verse nine, when they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar and he arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar, on top of the altar of wood. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. At that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Notice the exclamation point, right? Like, thank you, God, please say something, do something, intervene. What, what, what are you changing? Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way, for now I know that you, are, that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its thorns in a thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. Abraham named the place Yahweh Yireh, which means the Lord will provide. And to this day, people still use that name as a proverb on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. And every time I hear this story, every time I read through this story, I see Jesus. I see Jesus and what he did for me, what he did for his church. I see that he was the ram caught in the thicket who was laid as a sacrifice in place of me. Because see, just like Isaac would walk up that hill with the wood for his sacrifice on his back, Jesus would walk up the hill of Calvary with a cross on his. And he would lay down his life willingly on that cross because he had fixed his eyes on the eternal. Knowing that the promise he made Abraham would actually impact you and me to this day. That generation after generation after generation, and it keeps going, would give us that King that would lay down his life so that we could sit here in this room and hopefully not just go through the motions of what we go through, but so that we could be faithful with where he's called us. And as I think about that moment, I I have to believe that God in that moment, he was looking down from heaven and just going, "Is is there one guy, is there just one man that would do for me what I'm about to do for the whole world? And Abraham, was faithful. He was obedient. He was confident in his God. He followed through. Our journeys aren't our stories. See, when it boils down to the end of Abraham's life, the reality is his story wasn't really about him. It was about pointing towards Jesus. And that's what's true about you and me as well. We get so caught up in our lives and the things that we're going through and our stories and our timelines and all of the stuff that's happening. And all of that's important, but the reason it's important is not because of you. It's because you have a chance to point towards the life of Jesus. We have a chance to live our lives so faithfully that when people see our lives, they can't help but see the truth of who Jesus is to us and through us. And that's what he's called us to. And so as you live out this thing we call faith, don't, don't expect to have it all figured out. In fact, know that you don't have it figured out. Know that you're gonna mess up, that there will be growing pains. There's gonna be mistakes that you make along the way, but those mistakes, hear me, they don't keep God from using you. They're a chance for you to get up and to be equipped to, to do better next time and to serve him faithfully where you're at. And there will be moments that you have to choose obedience over impulse, which will hopefully lead us to a confident faith that always clings to the promises of God, even when everything around us looks contrary. My hope for us as a church, as his church, as his bride, is that we would have the faith and the courage and the boldness to stand and say, when my God makes a promise, I know he makes a way. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for today. I thank you for your church. I thank you that we can come into this place and be reminded of who you are. Not just right now, but who you have always been. That we can be reminded of the promises that you've made and the promises that you have always kept. May we be reminded that you have a good track record. A flawless track record. And that whatever situations we find ourselves in, God, we can trust you we can put our faith wholly in who you are. And so would you give us a growing faith, an obedient faith, a confident faith? And with everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed, I just want to ask if there's anybody here today, maybe you haven't had that new faith experience yet. Maybe you're here today and you're kind of just trying to see, like, what is this thing, faith? Who is this Jesus What is this God of Abraham really like? And maybe you're not sure about all the things that are to come, but you do know right now in this moment, I I do believe in Jesus and that he is who he says he is. If that's you, can I just tell you that's all he's looking for from you. He's not looking for you to know the next step. He's not looking for you to have all the answers. He's just looking for you to say, I believe. I believe that Jesus is who he says he is. And so if that's you and you're looking to have that that new faith right now, that experience, that starting point, I just want to invite you, I promise you I'm not going to embarrass you, but would you be so bold as to just slip your hand in the air? Awesome. Awesome. Come on church, we can celebrate that. Is there anybody else? Awesome. 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 I'm going to ask you if you would, if you're making that decision, would you just repeat this prayer after me? The church is going to help us pray it. Just say this, dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for knowing me on my good days and my bad days. And right now, I give you this day. I give you this moment. I want to follow you. I want to serve you. Even though I don't know what that looks like. Would you show me? Would you lead me? Right now, I give you my life and I ask you to forgive me for my sins. Would you wash me clean so that I can put my faith wholly in who you are? I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Church, can we celebrate that one more time? You guys go ahead and stand to your feet. This is the perfect verse for me to leave you guys with. Genesis 25, verse 7. Abraham lived for 175 years. I claim that in the name of Jesus. And he died at the ripe old age, having lived a long and satisfying life. For me, a satisfying life, what that means is he lived a faithful life. Yes, there were ups and downs and there were mistakes, but there was also obedience and faithfulness and purpose and a plan that was lived out. And so when he looked back at it, he saw a faithful, satisfying life. And so today is your blessing. I just want to speak over you boldness and courage. I wish I could just speak faith into your life, but I don't get to do that. It's something we have to chase after. And so I speak a blessing of boldness and courage over you to chase after that faith, to be faithful right where he's called you knowing that he has great plans for you, knowing that he has a purpose for you and a calling and a life that will hopefully end you looking back saying, what a rich and satisfying life. And so now I commission you to go out of this place and point as many people towards Jesus as you can through the life that you lead. We love you, church, and we will see you next week.